0: Hello, Babylonians. I know a lot of you have been with us for a long time, even from the beginning, and we cannot say thank you enough. And I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately, how do you make your own podcast? Well, it's simple. I use Anchor. anchor Anchor.fm, which is the website, or there is an app, or you can go on your computer, whatever you want to do. It's the easiest way. Um, It is run through Spotify, so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto. And there's lots of different... It'll stream to at least, I think, 10 different platforms or more. um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter where your setup is like, you can start creating today, today, and tell me what your podcast name is because you know I'm going to listen. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry. I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me, even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. Hello again, Babylonian. here with Nicole and Corbett Hello. because Shauna is on hiatus but she is coming back so don't freak out we're back with part two and this is coming to you a week later even though it's literally been like 10 minutes for us <laughs> and I was like bringing that up because I think it's funny so we're talking um, I don't have anything to add because it's literally been 10 minutes <laughs> i just i will reiterate again my love for all of you morbid group weirdos that have started listening to us i appreciate it more than i will ever be able to um express but we're bringing you we're just going to get right into it um um yes so part two of teresa stone and dr david mcfuckface love um that's his actual name it's like his legal name now you're welcome so, um, if you are haven't listened to part one, go back and do that right now. Stop this. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to part one because none of this is going to make sense to you. Um, long story short, Teresa's husband, Randy, was shot and killed in her office. And they had just brought in um, David and they didn't have grounds to arrest him as of yet so he had left town with his brother and he took his birth certificate and passport because that doesn't sound suspicious at all so that's where we left you off with part one and now we need to finish part two because shit's about to get real real so um yes okay randy stone Okay, so now we're going to talk about Randy had decided to leave um, New Hope Baptist Church, taking Teresa farther away from David Love. Um, Clara Kohler's wire passed the hug test? What? Okay, so... Okay, a clearer picture of motive is what this part is called, from the notes that I had uh, put together. Teresa had greeted her mother-in-law at a smokehouse barbecue in June of 2010. She didn't notice the transmitter um, that... Independence police had wrapped around Kohler's waist or the microphone hidden under the blouse at her shoulder. Woo! Woo! Her mother-in-law is who this lovely Clara is. The tension in um, her and Clara's gut had eased and the pair settled down to lunch and had a chat about the police investigation into the murder of Randy Stone, Teresa's husband, and Clara's son at his insurance agent, which had happened three months prior. So this mm-hmm. is three months later. Mm-hmm. Nothing has happened yet. Okay. It sucks. All right. So outside in the parking lot, uh, Keith, doctor, doctor, Detective Keith Rose Warren and two other investigators listened. Despite an eight-hour interview with Teresa that had happened two months prior, they still didn't believe that she had divulged everything she knew, which was not grounds to arrest her, unfortunately, because they can't just do that, which sucks. The freaking justice system is a hot fucking mess. So... She told Rose Warren that um, Reverend Doctor or Doctor Love, I goodbye, oh David Love, her secret lover of ten years, had confessed um, the murder to her. But how did the pastor get Randy's gun, and what role did she actually play in the whole homicide? So, um, Teresa theorized over the lunch that perhaps a uh, pastor hadn't acted alone. She speculated that um, Love did have someone else shoot Randy, and the preacher just came in to check that Randy was dead and closed the office blinds to make it set the scene. Overall, Independence Police didn't have, didn't seem to have much, and Teresa concluded in her chat with um, Clara, they're just fishing, she said. Rose Warren knew that wasn't, uh, still wasn't true, and he wanted more. Don't we all want more? We want this bitch behind bars. <laughs> like, fuck you, Teresa. So by summer of 2010, Independence Police had um, put together a convincing circumstantial case, which is not very easy to come by against the lovers, even without the damning admissions Teresa had made during her um, April interview with the with uh, Detective Rose Warren. So the word spread about the progress in the investigation. Old witnesses came forward with fresh recollection, recollections. I can't. And new witnesses appeared with insights into how the couple had behaved immediately after Randy's death. Because, you know. Mm. So David Trump, who is the pastor from West Virginia, contacted detectives and reported that he'd spoken with David Love and Teresa Stone the day after the murder and was struck with how both um, shared their alibis for that afternoon. Because that's exactly what you want to do. Is have, be like, oh no, this is what I was doing. This is where I was. Like, that does it's just, that's just not something you tell someone, and I feel like normal people would be more grief-stricken, like his wife. But it's fine, I digress. He offered detective detailed notes of the two phone calls and even agreed to record any future conversations with the two. One of the biggest breakthroughs ended up being from the crime lab that um, established that Randy had been killed with his own Glock, cementing the theory that he had been shot by someone he knew. Who is this? Who is this mystery human? In her April interview, Tessa, Tessa, goodbye, Teresa revealed that David had told her he had dumped the weapon 20 miles from the murder scene, but police had not found it. They did recover five old shell casings fired from Randy's gun at a target range on Teresa's parents' rural property. And weeks later, experts matched firing pin strikes on those casings with one of those found near Randy's feet, which was there um, the day he died. Oh, oh, and now, now my favorite part of these stories. Randy's insurance benefits also became clear in the news shocked Teresa. After a thorough analysis, experts concluded that she was not entitled to the up to of $800,000 on her husband's death as she first told her friends. Randy had taken Teresa office policies in 2005. Randy. The year she mm-hmm. miscarried, quote unquote, mm-hmm. David Love's child. He had directed that money, which was actually going to total 625000 to go strictly to their two children who were minors at the time. You go, Randy. Um, computer forensics uh, that bore fruit in the summer of 2010 gave Rose Warren other insights into the motive. Recovered emails showed the two weeks before the murder, Randy had a firm decision to leave the church informing the pastor he wasn't pleased with the church finances because remember randy would talk about finances because he was an insurance agent he kind of knows his shit i'm resigning as the finance minister and as a sunday school teacher effective immediately he wrote in an email i do not want to talk about it i do not want any visits i do not want any emails do not pass code. do not collect 200 <laughs> Go directly to jail is exactly what he should have said but randy was still alive R.I.P. Randy had also been upset with the church leaders that they had not been informed that Love's son, who worked as a music director at the church, had been charged with driving while intoxicated. That point was particularly sensitive, Love knew, because in in the congregation, even with the son's legal problems, could lead to the pastor's dismissal. So that was all like, hush hush. God, what kind of... See, this is why I have issues with church. There's so many shady things that go on. Mm -hmm. And, like, half those people do not practice what they preach. Mm -mm. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. Randy's announcement prompted an ugly showdown at the insurance office. Motive. Motive! Love accused his congregant of being too prideful. Fuck you. And tried to drive a wedge between the stones by accusing Teresa of sexual indiscretions with two other men. Mm -hmm. Woo! Scandalous. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Kim... Um, the pastor's wife, had confronted Teresa about a ring David had given her and a disposable cell phone that they used to communicate with the pastor. So all these red flags just pew, 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 all over the place. I can edit that out. The showdown did not shake Randy's determination to leave the church, but he was gracious in a follow-up email to David. I love you, pastor, and I really wish things could be different, but too much has been said and done to come back. Ugh, what a good human being. So as We get back to the sad stuff. Detectives examined the new info. The primary motive for homicide became pretty fucking clear. That's that's straight from the court documents. Fucking clear. (laughs) The insurance money was a factor for Teresa, but walking away from the church, Randy was taking her further away from her fucking love interest, her pastor, because she's gross. Goodbye. She couldn't work in the kitchen um, at the church, attend choir rehearsals, or hear David's sermons on sunday mornings randy also knew or suspected enough to possibly crash david love's future his financials questions could get david di- fired from new hope and if he acted on suspicions of his wife's affair he could randy could wreck any hope that david would ever have to work as a baptist pastor in general like you're about to get the pastor card pulled and thrown into the abyss which is what you should because you shouldn't be allowed to talk about god because god mm-hmm. would be very disappointed and you're going to hell ha Mm-hmm. whether or not he realized it, randy stone had become the greatest threat to david love's happiness and livelihood soon after the killing prosecutors and investigators had agreed that the case would only be charged with the investigation was as complete as detectives could make it the ju- they reached their comfort level in november of 2010 when prosecutors presented their evidence to a grand jury boom this shit's about to go down so, Independence Police Detectives Keith and Christina Nunez hovered over the speakerphone at the South Carolina truck terminal and heard rising suspicion creep into David Love's voice at the um, call's other end. Okay, sorry, we're jumping ahead in time. Love's supervisor had called him to come to the office to sign some paperwork, a ruse, actually, so the Missouri detectives could arrest him. You go, fucking supervisor. Hello. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I love a good de- de- what is it de- defiance mm-hmm. defiance mm-hmm. when it's necessary. 7 months after Pastor Love shot congregant Randy Stone to death in his own insurance agency, the grand jury had indicted Love on a f- charge of first-degree murder. Ah, oh, I love the taste of justice in the afternoon. What do you have for me to sign? Love had asked him in November 2010, is everything okay? He had left Independence after resigning as the pastor and then Uh, Nearly a month after the killing, by then Teresa, Randy's widow, had told police that she and Love had been in love for or had been lovers for ten years, eventually meeting almost daily for sex. My God. We got graphic real quick. The financial hits The Love family had been substantial. Kim, still devoted to her family because she's a goddamn living breathing saint, had joined her husband in South Carolina where he'd found work as a long-haul trucker. What a what a 360 pastor to trucker. My God. <laughs> Lord, have mercy, pun intended. Everybody in the Tidewater trucking office got antsy after 10 minutes of waiting. Finally a worker stepped in to say that love had parked his 18wheeler outside the gate, gotten in his car and taken off. Leaving a deputy at the terminal, Rose Warren and Nunez hopped into a Spartanburg County patrol car and raced to Love's home about 20 minutes away. Just then, the radio and Rose Warren's cruiser lit up. Hey, the deputy called the guys back. Dum-dum-dum. Here we go. Love hadn't been trying to flee. Suspecting that he was about to be arrested, he'd gone to get his wife so she would be there to take the car and hopefully keep it from ending up in police in lot, as had happened to their cars back in Independence. Wow well that's what happens when you murder people your shit gets taken away you piece of garbage Mm. so um as rose warren returned to the truck terminal kim recognized him as one of the detectives who had searched her home that spring do you believe he did this a distraught kim asked him do you believe he did this um the spartanburg county deputy already had handcuffed david Later at the county jail, Rose Warren showed Love the arrest warrant. Here are your first degree murder charges. You've lost your job. You've moved out here. You're not talking to us. Is this working for you? Love fell back on a familiar line. I just feel I need an attorney. I don't trust you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, David. <sighs> Rose Warren kept pressing into him. He thinks um, so smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that he hurt people back in Independence and they needed closure. Mm-hmm. that brought tears to David Love's eye. And, and look, he said, Randy was a friend of mine too. Yet the next day after he was told that he was dead and his friend David Trump called him, he was all happy-go-lucky chipper-dipper. <laughs> he was my friend. I'm so sad now because I got caught. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. After, mm-hmm. Eight months after her husband's murder, um, Teresa had... Um, Oh, she enters the first floor at the Jackson County Courthouse in Independence, finally ready to re- reveal her final secrets. Bitch. She had yet to detail how her former lover had obtained her husband's 40 caliber Glock, which had fired the fatal shot to the back of his head because he was a coward. And she still hadn't been honest about whether she encouraged Love to commit the murder or helped him plan it, Or maybe she was there the whole time. Who fucking knows? Sorry. But hoping desperately to avoid a long prison sentence and thinking that cooperation would help, she sat down with prosecutors. Girl, you about to learn. Mm. Accompanied by a veteran defense lawyer, John P. O'Connor, she announced that she was prepared without conditions or promises to answer questions under oath. Assistant uh, County Prosecutor Patrick Edwards remained queasy about using her as a witness against love because she'd be um, too easy to discredit. Why should prosecutors own these problems? Edward had asked himself. For anything to work, Teresa would have to show that she would make um, truthful admissions without the um, history she'd employed to frustrate detectives. As a court reporter recorded the discussion, Assistant Prosecutor Tammy Dickinson got right to the questions. How was he going to ask ax- to get asked? Oh my God! We're to start that over. How was he going to get access to Randy's guns? she's Teresa goes I gave him the code to the gun safe and the code to our garage door and to our alarm code so he had access to get into your house Teresa says yes ma'am because she's fucking nice I sent him a text that said I want him dead I told him that I just wanted him out of my life and with that and with that her last secrets were out so in her, so so there it is. Accessory to her accessory. That's it. That's not an accessory you want. You should have just kept the ring, man. <laughs> <her> Three hundred dollars jo- later. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. In her job as a as a public. Assistant public defender Molly Hastings um, represented violent street criminals, not an educated, articulate, and once respected man of God. Barf! Like David Love. People are going to be like, Nicole, can you please stop fake throwing up and saying barf? No, he <laughs> sucks and I hate him. He deserves to be, he's the equivalent of barf she that came out of him. someone's butthole. So much. It's but, butthole barf. Mm-hmm. Anyways, prosecutors are charged Love with first degree murder. Which carried a mandatory life sentence, as it should. So he had every incentive to seek acquittal at trial. Of course he did. Um, He was a pretty low-maintenance defendant, however. uh, Seldom calling Hastings, but always grateful and concerned about her well-being when he did. He became an immediate hit among her other clients housed at the jail. They appreciated his acute listening skills and... um, liked having their own pastor among them. It's a charm factor. It's oh no. fucking disgusting. He's no. blossoming there, she said in her office after getting the case in December of twenty ten. The case is um, the state's case against love was also blossoming. Like a beautiful goddamn rose garden. So as crime and computer labs finished their studies, Hastings office slowly filled with interview and forensic reports. Computer had hard drive analysis and cell phone records that had been matched with the data showing each phone had pinged a cell tower on the day that Randy Stone had died. And this did not look good for David Love because why the fuck would it? On uh, one cell phone tower had his phone within at least striking distance of Randy Stone insurance office in the rough time period in which investigators believe Randy had died. Um, as she plowed through the evidence over the several months, Hastings' strategy began to take shape. Apologized to jurors for David's despicable conduct with, Teresa's, um, with Teresa, encouraged jurors to at least consider that Teresa could have pulled the trigger, and then tear into Teresa's credibility on cross examination, exposing lies she had told during her various plea statements because she gave them the 100% full run around. Prosecutors indicted Teresa Stone on May 27th, 2011, just five days after my birthday, mm-hmm. for allegedly conspiring with David in the murder. Like we said, uh huh. I'm so sorry. Accessory, but with that, even with that weighing against her, her testimony could still damage David critically. So they turned on each other real quick. Mm-hmm. Lack of love. Ah! Oh. See what I did there. <laughs> Jurors had to see Teresa as the party. Um, who drove the adulterous relationship, who was in a twisted and unrelenting competition with David's wife, Kim. Hastings honed a line that she could use to drive home that points, um, that point to jurors and clo- closing arguments. <laughs> Some women love a man in uniform. Hastings said, Teresa has a thing for the clergy. She is <laughs> one who thinks she could be a good pastor's wife. Oh no. So with the trial scheduled to start, um, in December, On December 5th, 2011. So we're coming up on like almost two years now since uh, Randy was murdered. I hate how long these things get drawn out. It's Hastings so and their prosecutors began um, deposing witnesses during the three-week stretch in the fall of 2011. With almost two dozen depositions completed, the last one loomed um, particularly large, which was Teresa Stone, which was on a Tuesday, November 8th. For Hastings, the deposition represented a full contact practice round with Teresa before she had to repeat it in front of jurors. Working late the evening of Thursday, November 3rd, Hastings noticed a fresh email from prosecutors pop into her inbox. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It was a new analysis of text messages between David and Teresa showing contact between the two later than her client previously had acknowledged. (gasps) She exhaled in frustration. It's one more thing. Um, she called Dickinson about 7:30 o'clock, 7:30 th- o'clock, 7:30 p.m. Would you give me a murder two on this? She asked, pleading for a deal that could take mandatory life without possibility off the table, a uh, mandatory life without possibility for parole off the table. Dickinson agreed, but with conditions. David would have to accept life with the possibility of parole, but he had to deal by Monday so the prosecutor could spare Randy's son and Teresa from de- um, depositions. Hasting was not optimistic that um, David would accept, and she felt fine with that. She looked forward to trial and remained convinced that Teresa had a lot more to do with her husband's murder than she admitted. You don't say. Sorry. <laughs> in a jail visiting room the next day, she laid out the plea agreement for David in the starkest terms possible. Here's the benefit to you. You'll get out of prison before you die. Love, who is he's 51 years old, could be out of prison on, um, on parole by age 70. 70. No way, he said. Absolutely not. She said, okay. <laughs> and left to call Kim Love. Hastings waited to call Dickinson. The deadline wasn't until Monday. Over the weekend, Kim Love called Hastings. Pastor wants to speak with you. The fact that they call him Pastor. Still? I, I can't. <laughs> no. I can't. I cannot. Over a small meal table in the jail's visiting room, David could see his lawyer's anger. Well, I mean. <laughs> a few minutes earlier, he had asked Hastings, asked, Hastings to shoo away her investigator and co-counsel both of whom had invested the same hours as Hastings in his defense. I really need to talk to you by yourself, is what David said, and she tells him, you got five minutes. His tone softens. Put your hands on the table. What? Uh? I don't know what this is. The request angered the lawyer even more, but she did as he asks, And he covers his hands with hers. What is going on? He goes, I'll take it. And her eyes widened and he's she's like, "What do you mean you'll take it?" <laughs> I am not an innocent man," he said, and then began to sob, fully acknowledging his fall from grace for the first time. His posture in the chair seemed to ease as if a vast weight had slipped off his shoulders. Fuck you, I don't give a shit. They talked more about. A f- after a few minutes, he t- um, she took a break and called Dickinson, pulling her out of a meeting two blocks away. Cancel our de- depositions. We have a deal. She has to face things as joking. No, but one hundred million things can go wrong with this. Returning to the interview room, Hastings found her client more composed. His eyes seemed brighter and he appeared more relaxed, hopeful and confident. "You're a special person," he said. "I'm taking the deal. I'm taking responsibility for this. You fucking patron saint you fucking fuck." Mm-hmm. Still, Hastings worried about the court hearing, um, about the court hearing love now faced. A courtroom packed with family friends and media could cause the plea to crumble and prosecutors worried that a sudden influx of national media could force a change of venue for Teresa Stone's trial to Springfield or, to Springfield or even further, afield. field. A field, Springfield, the field, all the fields. All the lawyers felt a quiet plea was the way to go. Prosecutors had to plan to keep some of Stone's more distant relatives from tipping off the press. They warned that if the word... Of the plea leaked out ahead of time, prosecutors would consider a less serious prison term for David Love, perhaps one that could have him out in ten years. Jesus. Ten years? No, that is not enough. No. That would be like like last year, because it's, no, it's 2011. it's mm-hmm. 2011. It worked. Reporters and the general public learned nothing about the hearing, which began at 8 a.m. November 9th 2011, in an Independence courtroom wearing a suit barf instead of jail attire love took the stand while hastings positioned herself between the stone family in the gallery and her client's line of sight the previous day, she re- rehearsed the legal litany that she and love would have to recite to have the guilty pleas accepted by the court she had pared it down to the bare minimum on march 31st 2010 in jackson county did you knowingly cause the death of randy stone by shooting him she had asked him yes all he responded. Did you use a firearm and commit the crime of armed criminal action? Yes. The judge sentenced Love to life in prison. The hearing took only about 30 minutes. Jeez. Heading out the door to prison, Love told prosecutors in passing that he had thrown Randy's Glock in a fast food restaurant trash bin shortly after the killing. Prosecutors remained skeptical, however, since he never made the admission under oath. By 8.40 a.m., Hastings pulled away from the courthouse and noticed a TV news van screech to the curb. Hastings left with mixed feelings by pleading guilty love. It accepted responsibility and spared both the Stone and the Love families the misery of a trial. But it would have been the trial of my career, she thought. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. So this takes us now to Teresa's Judgment Day, which was June 15th, 2012. It says a Friday, but we all know it's really a Tuesday. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she, <laughs> pled, she pled guilty six weeks before, having never received a deal from the prosecutors, because she doesn't deserve one because she deserves to rot. Mm-hmm. With a pile of her own incriminating admissions stacked against her record, a trial seemed pointless, which, I mean, yeah, save everybody's time. A media horde, of course, was outside in the hallway, um, The outside the Division 16 courtroom in Independence. Um, there was spectators inside uh, filling the courtroom's pew-like benches. Michael and Miranda Stone, which are her two of her kids, sat in the first row, not far away from their mother Teresa, wearing a blue jacket over a white top, sat at a table facing Jackson County Circuit Judge, Jesus, Circuit Court Judge Marco Roldan, Ralden? Roldan. Sure, Randy Stone's mother Clara sat beside, sat behind Teresa in the first um, rows of pews across the aisle from Michael and Miranda, her grandchildren prosecutors had given the defense lawyer o'connor copies of photographs of randy stone body oh my god lying on the office floor they planned to project him on the courtroom wall and wanted his children who hadn't seen them to be prepared Ooh, oh oh dickinson who was the lead prosecutor started off with her lover was her hitman damn i'm like yeah. there it is mm-hmm. her lover was her hitman fuck me okay that's whew. The image of Randy's body didn't linger as Dickinson swiftly described other evidence such as a torn up love note and emails between Teresa and Love. They call him Pastor Love and I just feel like he doesn't deserve that title anymore. Mm-hmm. Documenting dialogue the two had um, shared regarding their wedding plans. Because remember, that was the thing in part one. Go back and listen. They, they talked about how they would be in holy matrimony. <laughs> She wanted a perfect life, no matter the cost, but Dickinson added today is not what Teresa Stone wants, it's about what she deserves. (laughs) You fucking badass. She detailed the murder scheme and Teresa's mistaken belief that she would receive as much as an $800,000 life insurance payout But remember, Randy was like, "Mm -mm -mm, mm-mm-mm, you a scandalous little fucking slut. That's going to my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, The prosecutor summoned Rose Warren, who was a fucking goddamn patron saint. I've used that a lot during here, but he's an actual saint, who described Teresa's detailed alibi at the time of the killing because, you know, she called that one friend uh, Mr. uh, Pastor David Trump, who actually deserves the title of pastor. Randy's farmer insurance supervisor, Robert Davis, described Teresa's distraught demeanor, distraught demeanor when he visited the Stone home the day after the murder, and how that didn't last long. She suge- "Oh my God, I can't read." She suggested that we go out on the front porch. She immediately regained her composure and started talking about the life insurance. I just feel like that wouldn't be the first thing I would think about if my significant other, you know, died. Right. When am I getting some money to pay for this life right. that I'm just so, so mm-hmm. tortured by? Fuck you. Ugh. <coughs> I'm dying. I need drink. I'm talking too fast. Mm-hmm. Randy had switched the beneficiaries on his policy from Teresa to Michael and Miranda in 2005, is what this advan- um, advisor told her. <laughs> Randy Stone didn't trust her, and did you blame him? The man was on to something. Oh, how sad. Um, Miranda and Michael pleaded with Roldan to show their mother mercy. Aw, that's so sad. Then Randy's niece, Shelly Bell, oh, Shelly Bell, Shelly Bell, testified that the previous day would have been her uncle's 45th birthday. She asked Roldan to impose the maximum, maximum sentence available to reflect the cold-hearted decision made by this woman. Finally, Teresa stood. Big bang, bang, motherfucker. I am so... Oh, God, here we go um a newspaper's photo fo- newspaper photographer's camera started firing she says as she's sobbing rival big rival huge the biggest one in all of existence i am so sorry if i could do anything to change it i ask you today to show mercy i am totally responsible for my actions you don't deserve it that's not going to bring him back you took your children's father from the, their, their son, his parents' son from... Fuck you. Fuck you and everything you represent, ma'am. Um, O'Connor pointed out that Teresa had no prior criminal record and had returned to school to prepare for a new career as a medical technician. Don't care. Rolden chose the most severe option recommended to him in a pre-sentencing assessment eight years. What? A deputy led the 40-year-old Teresa toward a door. She put her hands behind her back and the deputy snapped on a pair of handcuffs. Um, the courtroom cleared out Dickinson hugged Randy's mother, um, Clara and his sister Shannon. Two days later, Kohler joined um, Clara joined others in a 30 acre field in Northeast Independence for a groundbreaking for a new picnic pavilion at the site of the future site of New Hope Baptist Church. Even after all that had happened, Clara still belonged um, to the congregation, which had about 250 members before her son's death. Membership had dipped below 100 members in the aftermath of murder, but has since rebounded to more than 300. Pastor Darren Tharp, who replaced David Love, who's probably a way better human, handed the first <laughs> shovel to Clara so she and other Stone family members could turn the first dirt for the Randy Stone Memorial Pavilion. You will be able to come out, bring your families and have picnics, Tharp said. We will have a beautiful plaque up with Randy's picture. We'll build it, we'll build it to the glory of God in the memory of a precious man of God, Brother Randy Stone. So I can't get over the thought that they said eight years for her. Only eight. Eight for the life of a man that she was supposed to love and cherish and probably sent some super cute Eight. wedding vows to. I just... I don't even know where that paper went. I've just been throwing them half-agibly. Mm-hmm. Not much yeah. Eight. Mm-hmm. Eight. Eight. I don't even know if she's still in, in jail. Because now I need to know. What happened to this bitch, Teresa? Teresa? Tetanus shot. <laughs> Teresa stone. <laughs> That's Mother funny. Teresa. Ter- no, don't Where are the Holy Spirit. Don't bring Mother Teresa into this. She's a good person. Where are they now? Okay. We're gonna we're gonna dip in Aw, oh, he looks delightful. Her husband's adorable. Oh, you see him? Yeah, look at his sweet face. Mm-hmm. He just looks like a good human. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. Let's see if this says, yeah, 51 years old, sentenced to life in prison without the possibility, with the possibility of parole after 25 years. Mm-hmm. Oh snap! So he'll be eligible for parole in 2036. Um, that by the time of the murder. Oh yeah, she was sentenced to. Yeah, she was sentenced to eight years, and she's been. She's she's been released. Oh my! And she has started a new life with her partner in Kansas City, Missouri. Because of course, she already has someone new. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's unfortunate. that She got eight years after conspiring just just for love, and she's already got a new lover. Wow. Fucking fuck. I cannot. Ugh. So, that brings us to the kind of devastating conclusion. I hope she, like, stubs her toe every day. <laughs> I hope that she, like, gets an itch on her back that can never be itched even by another person. I hope that she like like her car never starts or her brakes stop at the top of every hill that she drives down I just I I wish all the bad things for her because she doesn't deserve to be walking among us Mm. if I see her I'm going to hit her with my car just kidding I don't want to go to jail but I mean (laughs) the opportunity presents itself by Teresa So I hope you guys enjoyed this very um, outlandish, ridiculous, long fucking two-parter. It's been a while since we've had to do a two-parter, but it was a lot. That would have been like almost a two-hour episode if I wouldn't have stopped. Well, like an hour and a half, but it's fine. It's fine. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day um i hope the weather's getting nice wherever you are especially you wyoming glad you're glad you guys are here it only <laughs> it only took us almost a 100 episodes but you know we did it you guys are here and i couldn't love you more than i do in this moment thank you so much all of our social media is bloody babbles podcast you can send us your own stories at bloody babbles podcast at gmail.com fantasy and Roll music by the fighters is our intro sound for every episode um I should just start making that its own soundbite. And I've said that for 99 episodes now. Can you believe we're almost at 100? We're going to have to do something big for episode 100. And Shauna will be here for that. So do not hesitate or worry. So, yes. Until next time, you beautiful Babylonians. Babylon. Hello, Twisted Humans. <laughs> this is the podcast where two best friends chat true crime and have a glass or two of wine. I'm Alicia. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Twisted and Uncorked. So join us every week for Casual Tuesdays where we release a new episode. We are now available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Rate, review, and subscribe. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.